0: Welcome to the Seeing Beauty Sessions podcast. I'm your host, Lori Marie. Seeing Beauty Sessions is about stories of how women have turned their pain into purpose. Hello, everyone. I'm Lori Marie, and we are here with the beautiful Miss Shayna Regna. And we are doing today's, um, today we're going to talk about like Shayna's story and how she transformed not only her uh her how she transformed her pain into purpose but how she transformed even like the shifts around her mindset and body and um i'm just so happy to have you here today shana um welcome to seeing beauty sessions
1: thank you so much Lori. i am beyond thrilled to be here talking with you and i'm so excited about your mission
0: and um this, this current project you're working on. I'm really excited to be a part of it. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really excited too. Shayna, actually to, to kind of back up a little bit for, um, for some context here, Shayna, I met her long time ago, like back in like 2005 or 2006. I don't remember exactly, but she, um, I was doing a project at the time and I was looking for pinup models and Shana was brave enough to volunteer and then later um, She was one of the people that took part in my seeing uh, the beauty of women project that I did back in 2007 and um, So it's really fun and like exciting that you're back and you're here doing a second round of this almost 12 years later it's it's been amazing to like witness your transformation throughout that time as well. Um, I consider Shayna not only a spiritual running buddy but a, a dear friend. She was also a second shooter of mine back in the day, and um, so it's really I'm really excited to have you here and um, to be kicking off this this project with you here.
1: Likewise. Oh my goodness! Yes, the um, the project you did in two thousand and seven really left such a huge impression on me. To walk into a room full of these amazing photographs of women of all different ages just has stuck with me to this day. And uh, yeah, I've come, you know, uh, been on a journey since then for sure. And I've been excited to have you along with me for that. And yeah, I can't wait to talk more about it.
0: So exciting. Um, I think that would actually be a really great place to start. So tell me like, um, how has it shifted for you? Like think of back to when we first worked together on that project, the beauty of women, how, like, give us a little, paint us a little picture of where you were at in your, you know, what you thought about your body, kind of what you thought, what made you want to be part of that project? Like, just give, give us a kind of a, a snapshot of where you were around your mindset and um compared to like we just did another session recently so 12 years later like give us a little snapshot of before and after
1: okay so i am being transported back to that time (laughs) and i think at the time i was really interested in doing that pinup project with you because i've always really liked to play around with the feminine and really liked that style. And I have noticed how that's transformed a little as of late. Um, But I had a much narrower idea of what I thought was beautiful and what kind of I was going for for myself in terms of ideal body and in terms of what I wanted to present to the world and how I felt about myself walking through the world. And so I've always been, you know, like I said, loving the feminine and really into that kind of old style pinup. So that's what drew me to the project at the time. And while I still appreciate that, um, I think my concept of beauty has really, really expanded. And I kind of see where some of the thoughts I used to have were... Uh, much more influenced by society and by the media and by the women in my life and so although i love still love that old glamour and the humor that comes with the pinup and the burlesque kind of style um i just realized that it's so much broader now and so while i still like to play around with the feminine my idea of what that is has really expanded
0: we first started together like what um you know yes the pinup project and what what drew you to like the beauty of women and and where i just kind of want to paint a picture of where you were at within your own journey of like loving yourself and your body at that time cuz that was 12 years ago right so and, um, where, where were you at that time within your well, your own journey? I was back and forth. I remember
1: doing that shoot with you and some others where sometimes I would feel comfortable with myself, but as I said, it was pretty narrow. I had to fit in, um, a certain range for myself to be acceptable. And if I, my mindset or my body set was kind of outside of that, um, I would be uncomfortable. I would say, you know, maybe 10 to 15% of the time I felt comfortable and the rest. I was pretty acutely Mm self-conscious and very, um, overly worried about how I was being perceived by others. Mm -hmm. And I've always found it a lot easier to see the beauty in other people than in myself. And like I said, I'd get little glimpses of it in myself. Um, And sometimes I'd feel okay, but a lot of times I was really barraged with a lot of inner messages from myself that I wasn't quite fitting the mold I wanted to, or I had to adjust myself or play up this or play up that in order to do so. And the Beauty of Women Project to me was really freeing because all the portraits were so beautiful. It didn't matter how old everyone was, what you know, size they were, what what they looked like. It was done in such a such a way where that beauty really came through. And I believe it was around the t- same time I started my photographic journey, being a photographer myself. Mm-hmm. And I worked at a portrait studio that um, did all kinds of things and families and seniors and all that, but also focused on photographing women and what we called our sassy portraits at the time. (laughs) And so I was stepping into a role where I was becoming more outgoing in terms of working with other people and working with a lot of really fun, outgoing women and really enjoying the process of making other women feel good about themselves and feel beautiful. Mm
2: -hmm. But
1: I was still back and forth with myself a lot and mm-hmm. still really looking for the approval from whether it was my partner at the time, um, other men, other women. I think the, the idea of the male gaze played a big part in my early life until recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was just starting to step into it, but I still had a lot of, a lot of work to do on my own. For mm-hmm. myself. And I think it is a lifelong process. So I think it's never done. But right. um, I was still in that space of
0: projecting something a little different than I felt inside.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, you talked about the mold. Like, let's expand on that a little bit more. Like, what was your ideal at that time? I'm guessing you were in your maybe like 20s, right? Mm-hmm. Early 20s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, very traditionally
1: feminine, you know, like I said, I really have always been drawn to that kind of pinup old school Hollywood glamour. Mm -hmm. So, and like I said, I still find that very awesome. Um, But yeah, kind of that typical hourglass figure. Um, Mm -hmm. I really, in my teenage years and uh, early adolescence, I really bought into a lot of the media, magazine images, that kind of thing. So for me, that mold I had in my head was really shaped by media, Um, a lot of the magazines I read, a lot of the movies that I watched. And also, even though I still love the idea of pinups and old Hollywood glamour, um, just the more traditional aspects of that, that traditional feminine presence, that traditional feminine role of an hourglass figure and symmetrical features and um, dressing the part
0: mm-hmm. And
1: so I had a pretty narrow vision of what it meant for me to be beautiful at the time. Mm
0: hmm. And did you, I know for myself when I was that age, I had like this ideal number I needed to hit. Like, did you have for yourself an ideal number that you wanted to hit? I did. I absolutely did. And it started at a really young age.
1: I looked back on some old journals of, I don't know if it was middle school or early high school, but that number sure enough was in there. Mm -hmm. And, um, it is really interesting how you know not to get too far ahead but how at a more recent time in my life I got there and I was just in such an unhealthy place it really was such a enlightening moment for me because it made me realize mm-hmm. wow this is that number I always thought was going to be good and here I was feeling at my worst but attaining that number <laughs> it was such a strange experience
0: right right um tell me about that. Like, how did that show up in your life? Like that, that having that number be the goal when you were younger, like, what did that look like? Like, did you try, like, were you like obsessed with it? Were you trying to always like weigh yourself? Like, how did it show up? What did that number mean to you? Well, it meant
1: I wasn't living my life because I Mm. spent a lot of time, as you said, obsessing. So I Spent a lot of my time was spent thinking about I wasn't where I wanted to be or um, I've also had issues with food throughout my life at various points and so I spent so much time obsessing about what I was or wasn't eating or you know not being at that number if I was too far above that number, I was having a bad day. If I was closer to that number, I was having a good day. And in addition to the kind of obsession over weight and food, I was also pretty obsessed with what other, how other people were perceiving me, which I now realize was not based in reality, <laughs> just based on my own insecurities. But so it just took up a lot of my energetic and emotional space to the point where I couldn't really be present in the life that I was living, um, as much as I would have would have liked to have been so Mm -hmm.
0: and how did that show up in like relationships and social situations
1: it made me very self-conscious in social situations like I said I just I didn't have the presence there was sometimes I could be present and feel comfortable but a lot of the time I was so stuck in my head with these obsessive thoughts about not being good enough Mm
2: -hmm. or not
1: being worrying that I wasn't how I wanted to be perceived or how I wished I was, that it really took the fun out of so many situations for me, and so I wasn't really able to be present and enjoy um, a lot of wonderful experiences and then, as far as relationships go, um, I was in a relationship from the time I was fifteen until almost thirty, mm-hmm. and that was my you know primary relationship for a really long time and Because it started at the time I was a teenager and went into my adulthood, those feelings about myself really affected that relationship. And I wasn't really able to show up in that relationship the way I'd like to either. And like I said, I would often look to that person for approval. And as much as they would give it, it was never good enough because my concept inside myself was that I wasn't good enough. So it really didn't matter how much approval I got um, because my mindset was still that of not enough.
2: Mm -hmm. So,
1: um, yeah. And I'm happy to be able to view that now as that was part of my process. That was part of the healing. And I'm happy for the people that joined me on that journey, but it also makes me really sad to look back on that time and realize the experiences that I could have had more fully
0: had I felt better on the inside. Right. It's kind of hindsight 2020 though, right? Cause until we're aware we can't make the change. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you give some examples? You said that, um, in that relationship, you know, there were, because of how you felt about yourself or feeling not good enough, like how did, how did it show up in your relationship? Cause I think it's really important to share that with people because, um, I, I think again, until you're aware of how it's affecting you, your beliefs around how you feel about yourself, how it's showing up in your everyday, I think can really I, I think it could really help a lot of people to share some of, you know, what that looks like or what that looked like for you. Well, for me, especially early
1: on, there was a lot of jealousy. Mm-hmm. I would get very jealous and envious. Um I kept thinking that my partner was perceiving myself and other women in a way that had no basis in reality. Mm -hmm. I was constantly trying to see things through his eyes, but in doing so, I was still using my very distorted eyes. So I was always worried that I wasn't as good as, or as pretty or as worthy as someone else that he was talking to or interacting with. Um, and I was with a very loyal person. So this really had no basis in in him whatsoever. Um, and then my, he, he was also a very sensitive person in a lot of ways, emotionally sensitive in the best ways. But that also meant that my lack of confidence and feeling bad about myself really affected him and really made him feel not so good. And, um, you know, although we had a good relationship, I feel like that was one of the single biggest factors that eroded it over time Mm -hmm. was my inability to love myself. And my obsession with that in my own head prevented me from really connecting on the levels I needed to um with that other
0: person. So I don't know if that totally answers it, but that's kind yeah, of what totally. came up for me. I think when we're when we're not feeling good about ourselves, a lot of times we project and not all not always consciously either, but um, but it makes sense, you know, that if if you're not um giving your, if you feel that there's something missing within you, um, it's something you're not, or something, (laughs) let me back up. If there's something you feel you're not getting from your partner, it's probably something you're missing within yourself. Right. And, but we project it onto our partners. We blame our partners for something that we are not feeling right Oh, absolutely. That hits the nail on the head.
1: And I think, again, one of those big factors in the dissolution of our relationship was my constant need for approval. And like I said, no matter how much approval someone gave me, it was never enough. It might satiate me for the moment. And then, you know, five minutes later, a day later, I would need that again and again and again, basically just being really needy (laughs) in a way that nobody but me ultimately could fill. So, um, yeah, that constant need for approval from my partner
0: really was a detriment to the relationship overall. Mm -hmm. So when was the kind of the turning point for you? Did it, when, when you really started to, to say like, okay, I really need to, to, to shift this. And was it something that happened, you know, very quickly or was it something that has kind of transpired over time?
1: So when I think about that question, it has been an overtime. Mm -hmm. I can look to a couple of points in my life where the transformation has been a little quicker, but I would say, um, and let me back up a little bit by saying at that throughout my early life. And when we first met in my twenties and up until the point I was about 29, I would say I was very disassociated from my body. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, um, you know, what someone call body dysmorphia at certain times where my perception was just so out of whack with reality, but
0: I felt so disconnected from it. Um, could you describe that a little bit more, um, for people who aren't familiar with body dysmorphia, um, or, or maybe never heard of it? Like what was your perception of what your body looked like?
1: It's the idea of looking in the mirror and seeing something completely different than what is actually there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I, believe that goes from varying degrees. Some people could be, you know, 90 pounds and look in there and see a 200 pound person. Mine wasn't that severe. Mm -hmm. But what I would see is all the imperfections overly exaggerated. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, looking back, I could see pictures of myself and I know, know what I looked like. And there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. But I saw, you know, distorted perceptions of my stomach being too big or my
0: butt being too big or my nose being too big. A lot of things too big,
1: <laughs> basically. Um, well,
0: I totally get it because I, I definitely struggled with body dysmorphia as well. I just wanted to give some examples so um, people could understand a little bit more in depth if they've never heard of the term body dysmorphia or, you know, if they're not familiar with it. So, think- and I, yeah. And I was a skinny
1: person. Mm-hmm what I saw when I looked in the mirror was not a skinny person. So it was, yeah, very different. Um, So part of reconnecting my head with my body and getting back in my body started in my early 20s when I started attending yoga. That was the first step for me. And that was a much slower transformation. Mm -hmm. Um, I do it to this day and it still helps me in so many ways. Um, but I do see that as one of the first steps. Um, and then I would say actually the dissolution of my marriage and that primary relation, first relationship really gave me an opportunity to not rely on that person I'd been relying on for so long for the approval and mm-hmm. to say that I'm okay and that I'm good enough and not to be worried about another person in my intimate life and what they thought about me and other people. So it freed up a little bit of mental space, but also I found myself doing a couple things that I hadn't done previously. And this was, I can pretty much mark age 29 as the time I I started to feel comfortable in my body. Mm. Um, And that was when I, my marriage um, was coming apart and when we got separated And one of the things that really got me through, but I also think helped transform the feeling about me and my body is I threw on music and danced around the house all Mm -hmm. the time. A lot of Ike and Tina Turner, um, ironically enough, but for some reason that got me moving and it got me in my body and it got me uh, through those really, really hard times. Mm And there was a lot of stuff that got me there, but that was one of the things. And then also around that same time, I had a friend who was getting into personal training and he had offered to do some personal training, weight training with me. And, um, I was a little fearful to do it, but I did it. And so feeling that really helped me feel more confident and stronger in my body as well. And doing it with a friend whom I could talk to throughout and who was encouraging me and it's such a crucial time when other parts of my life were falling apart to reach in and feel that literal and physical strength was really, really important for me. And again, to backtrack just a little bit, previously I had always tried to transform my body through beating it up, more or less, through, you know, whether it was limiting my food intake or overeating or not exercising ever. And then exercising like crazy. And so right around this time, this age of 29, I started to find my groove as far as what actually felt good to do. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and so, yeah, I'm <laughs> really <like> grateful. <laughs> Sounds like you were on my diet plan. <laughs> it's a hard one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's do every Doesn't diet. In... That well. <laughs> Let's do every diet in the book. And then also like it's either all or nothing, right? It's like either exercise like crazy or do nothing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it was kind of funny because for, for most of my young life, I just kept thinking, oh, I should look like these models. I should look like these other women without actually doing anything. It's just like, how am I not like this? (laughs) And I didn't realize that the, in order to transform into anything, it actually takes some kind of effort. But I also didn't realize the effort that made sense for me and it wasn't exercising like crazy and just running you know like a hamster on a treadmill and it wasn't you know not letting myself eat certain things or or whatever so came to yoga in my early 20s and that started the transformation, mm-hmm. but it was really a process, you know, then it was kind of like, also in my early twenties, you know, kind of being more aware of how the women in my family thought about their bodies and realizing, you know, yeah. I don't want to be 80 and right. trying to fit in the same damn dress. You <laughs> you <know? right. laughs> um, and then, you know, kind of the next stage, the main Like the dissolution of my marriage, like, Mm -hmm. um, really started me, um, kind of stopping looking for that, that partner approval. And then I got into my body with movement in some other ways, like dancing and weight training. Mm -hmm. And then when I got sick shortly thereafter from all those stress, um, you know, that kind of transformed how I you know, I thought I was taking care of myself, but I really wasn't. Mm
2: -hmm. And,
1: you know, I found myself at my lowest weight, which I, you know, that had always been my like ideal weight
2: where I was like, yeah,
1: that's the weight I want to be as a teenager. And I was there and I felt horrible. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Learning to take care of myself through sickness and like finding myself, um, loving my body and healthier through food and more yoga and then there's like the, then having Lily, like going through that transformation and then kind of now coming to terms, like I said, with Manu.
0: So, okay. So you found yoga and then, um, and then through your marriage, you, you had started, or I should say through the. Um, the separation of your marriage, you started finding things like strength training and having a personal trainer. Like what were kind of some of the next points that really kind of helped you transform your relationship to yourself and your body? Well, shortly thereafter.
1: So I went through a separation for about six months. And at the end of the six months, um, you know, we decided it was time to go our separate ways. And then I was hit really hard with some illness, which now I realize was adrenal fatigue, which about a year later turned into fibromyalgia. Um, But at the time, you know, I'd always thought up until that point that I took pretty good care of myself and I considered myself to be a pretty healthy person in a lot of ways. Uh, But being slammed with that illness really made me realize that I was not taking care of myself Mm -hmm. in, in the right way for me. And so it made me, it basically took me right down to the ground in order to build myself back up. is the way I see it now. Um, I had to rethink, you know, there was days I couldn't even get out of bed. I couldn't move. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything some days. And so I really had to rethink and build myself back up from the ground up and figure out what it meant for me to be healthy. And I had a lot of help in doing so, a lot of physical help, spiritual help, healthcare help. Um, But for me, that was pretty huge. And like I said, at one of the points in my sickness, which went on for about two years, um, one year of not really knowing what was going on, and then another year of knowing what was going on. Um, uh, like I said, I did hit my, that, that quote unquote goal weight, my lowest weight. And at the time it, instead of feeling good, I felt sick and, you know, unsexy and Mm -hmm. weak. And so, um, but also, and then coming out the other end of the illness and finding the things that work for me and finding the help that worked for me and realizing what my body needed nutritionally and movement wise and all of that. Um, I, I'm so grateful for that knowledge to be able to realize now what works for me. And then I've mm-hmm. almost seen the illness as a, as a blessing on many levels. But one of those is now, if I don't do those things that I know are really good for me and help me feel good, that illness is still somewhere there in the background. So Mm -hmm. I feel not good a lot quicker than I used to. So those little Mm -hmm. hints of not feeling good, instead of ignoring them, I pay attention to them and realize and use them as tools to help me um, keep steering myself in the right direction. That's, I mean, that's,
0: I don't want to say that's great that you have the you know those warning signs you know but but it's great that in a way I'm I'm guessing that they can help keep you accountable to yourself too absolutely and part of the reason I think I
1: got so sick in the first place is I just didn't have even though I was starting to have that connection with my body I was still very disconnected and obviously there was a lot going on emotionally and in my life at the time but um yeah. I just kept pushing past it. I wasn't really listening to my body. There was plenty of warning signs beforehand
2: mm-hmm.
1: that I could have stopped and investigated a little bit more, but instead I ignored and just kept doing what I'd always been doing and threw myself headlong into some other things until I basically hit that wall of, Hey, this comes first. Your, your health comes first. And without that, you're not
0: going anywhere. The right. a message I received loud and clear from my body. I, I think, I love that you brought that up or that you said that because I think so often, especially as women, we do that, right? It's like, we were just taught to kind of like push through and like make it work. And you know, like buck up and keep going, right? Even when our bodies mm-hmm. are saying, "Uh, no, you need to slow down. You need to give me some time. You need to give me some space. I need some love in here." And we have a tendency to kind of push through anyway. And I think it's um, really beautiful that you've developed a relationship with your body now over time that you can, you know, treat it like a relationship and treat it with respect and with love. And when you do that. Like your body thanks you for it, right? By not feeling ill, by not feeling sick.
1: Absolutely. And I.
0: By allowing you to do what you're here to do.
1: Yeah. And I didn't realize I wasn't listening. And so it just had to keep shouting louder and louder and louder until I had no choice but to listen.
0: And that's what happens because we don't listen or we don't know how to listen. And so Mm. over time, yes, something the things we, we don't deal with, we will be forced to deal with at some point. So I love that you were able to like get to that place where you could develop that relationship and be in your body because now you have a much clearer indication of when something's not working well. (laughs) Yes. It, it helped me learn to listen
1: (laughs) and it helped me find what works for me too. Um, without that, maybe I do have the confidence that I would have found it eventually, but not as quickly. And um, there's sometimes I think about, wow, you know, I lived 29 years of my life, not feeling good in my body. That's so sad. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, well, some people go a lot longer than that. So, you know, even though it's still a process, I feel really grateful to have had a couple of, albeit really difficult, transformational happenings in my life. But that have brought me to where I'm at
0: um I want to kind of go into a little bit because I think it's so important I know uh for myself this was I was hugely influenced by watching my mom growing up too and and that's not to say like it's her fault or I'm blaming or anything like that but like you know, she was doing the best she could with where she was at and whatnot. And it was the 80s. And there was a lot of emphasis on quick meals, processed food, a lot of dieting and exercise. And a lot of what I picked up was that message to me was like to always be focused on your weight, always be on the scale, always be dieting. Um, How did your relationship with your mom influence how um you saw yourself well i i totally am with you on that one i picked up a lot of stuff
1: from her i think as we all do and i'm totally in agreement as far as you know there's no blame i think everyone's doing the best they can at any given time Mm -hmm. but definitely i picked up on the messages that my mom told herself silently and out loud about herself Mm -hmm. and even though she was very positive and very loving towards me um I noticed how she felt about herself, and I took on those same notions. And part of that was an obsession with what I was and wasn't eating, and mm-hmm. not feeling like I was enough. And, um, you know, thinking that once I got to a certain place, then more things would be possible. If I if I looked a certain way or was a certain weight, then I'd have the confidence to do certain things. Right, And then, I mean, it goes beyond my mom, too. I also, my grandmother, who I was very, very close with, um, she also had a preoccupation with image and weight well into our life. And that was one of the things I think in my mid-20s that really struck me is, you know, we're in a dressing room shopping for new dresses for her, and she is 80 years old and just beside herself that her stomach does not look the same as it used to. And I was thinking, my goodness, you know, she really watched what she ate until, you know, until close to the end of her life. And I just remember thinking, my gosh, I really hope I'm not 75 or 80 years old and still worrying about this. So. Amen um, sister. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So I just, you know, um, I am so blessed to have all the women in my life that I do and in my family, but it, um, you know, it makes me, sad to know that they don't always see the beauty that I see in them and Mm -hmm. that they, that there is this preoccupation and this worry that is ever present for some of them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's really important because as we've witnessed in our own, you know, mothers and grandmothers and, and the women in our life, I think it's Um, really important to, to be aware and present to that in how we are raising our daughters or our, even our sons, like how we're raising our children, because children do not listen to what you say. They just don't. (laughs) They, they observe and they watch and they, they pick up how you behave and how you act. So I think it's really important for us to really make it a practice to take care of ourselves and to be loving towards ourselves, as well as what we're telling them you know if we're telling them love your bodies or love your you know be good to yourself take care of yourself but we're not doing that for ourselves like they're gonna pick that up
1: I totally agree. And I think part of the issue that I struggled with is not only did I have all these other messages coming in, not from family and from my internal dialogue, but I don't feel like I was really shown a counterpoint to those messages that I was mm-hmm. getting very early on. So um, it still stands to show how it's going to turn out with my daughter. But my mission is to provide that counterpoint because I feel like we're all going to get these messages Um, from various places but for me I just felt like I didn't have anything telling me any different so I internalized those in a really really strong way that Mm -hmm. ended up affecting me for longer than I would have liked it to but now um, I've had that experience and I'm it makes me happy to be able to share it and talk about it because I know I'm not the only one who has felt the way that I felt
0: Let's go back to now. Okay, so recently we just did another shoot together uh, for this particular project. Like, so we kind of talked about what kind of where your mindset was at and where you were at in your journey at the time when we first worked together. Now, like, what was this last session like for you? And in regards to like your transformation with how you feel about yourself and your body. That makes me
1: so happy because it's the first time I felt really good doing a shoot like that. It's the first time I felt fully confident. And so we did that pinup shoot way back when, but then I know we did a couple of other shoots together as well. One just Mm -hmm. before I got married, And then one a handful of years after that. Mm -hmm. And um, they were both kind of body shoots. And, you know, I um, was showing my body in various ways and they were beautiful pictures. But again, uh, it took me a couple of years to realize it. I liked the pictures immediately because they were beautiful. But at the time they were taken, all I had for myself was judgment.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: I remember being photographed and worrying about what my stomach was doing or worrying about what my thighs were doing Mm -hmm. or not being sure about my smile or my face or what have you. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was really, really cool to realize that that has dissipated a little bit for me. And it was really fun to do a shoot. And the shoots I did when I wasn't feeling so great were also great and good confidence boosters. Right. But I just know how I felt at the time they were being taken and I didn't feel that great, to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. And so it was really healing and really wonderful for me to do another one when I feel a lot different about my body.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And what has changed since like, so I know we did a for those of you um you know who aren't sure what we're talking about here, like um we did a shoot recently for th- for this project, the seeing beauty sessions. And then there was a project we did, I don't know if it was about four years ago, um, where I photographed Shana on a farm <laughs> with chickens. And it was a super fun shoot. But um but this is what she's talking about that that um, during that shoot, you know, she was still having some judgment around her body. So four years ago, you know, it's still a lot, you know, quite a a while. So like, I know because, you know, I know you, that you went through, you know, having a baby and um, how has, and then now to, you know, she's going to be too soon, like Mm
2: -hmm. how has,
0: how has that impacted the way that you see your body, like going through pregnancy and and having your daughter, like, how has that impacted the way that you now look at yourself and your body? Well,
1: uh, it definitely has. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I think, you know, growing up, I always had this idea and this fear. I mean, even in my early adulthood of pregnancy and being scared, oh, it's, there's these concepts that are thrown like, it's going to ruin your body, it's going to change everything, and you're never going to be the same. And, and so I had so much fear around that, because so much of my self worth was wrapped up in my body image. Mm. And so I think for me, I mean, the timing was pretty amazing, as far as getting sick, getting myself healthy, and then shortly thereafter, I ended up getting pregnant. So the timing was right for me um, to really have already had the experience of like, okay, this is, this is how to care for myself. This is what my body can bounce back from. Um, and then I also, being pregnant was transformational for me because I realized it doesn't have to be any of these preconceived ideas that we have about pregnancy or aging or motherhood. Um, I felt, and this isn't to say everyone feels this way, but I felt really good about it. Um, I was in a good place with it. And, you know, was realized that if I was being good to myself and doing the things that continue to keep me healthy, as far as for me, that was yoga and continuing um, the diet that helped my fibromyalgia so much mm-hmm. um, that I could feel good at any point. You know, I had a little bit of sickness in my early pregnancy and and everything like that, but it um, you know, continuing to care of myself take care of myself through that, um, transform my ideas around what that pregnancy could be. And then as far as, you know, seeing my body in a different way, and I know I've heard a lot of people say this, but it really does transform or allows for the opportunity for the mind to be transformed around the idea from body being for, you know, other people's viewing or whatever as just a really functional thing Mm -hmm. and a really beautiful thing. So it did the sickness made me realize the strength of my own body and so did having my little girl.
2: Mm.
1: And then, um, you know, I just view my body differently, you know, like my breasts, instead of being like, Oh, you know, that's, that's for someone else's pleasure. (laughs) Like that's just to be sexy. It's like, no, they serve a purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't mind, you know, breastfeeding in front of other people or something like that. I just have a totally different view of certain parts of my body. Right. Um, It's still mine, but it's like, hey, it's okay. It's also, oh, that's the real purpose of a breast. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, So it's clarified that a little bit, and then yeah, my body has definitely changed, um, you know, with the breastfeeding and everything like that. So that's been a little bit of an adjustment, which I'm happy to say has gone a little smoother than previous body changes for me. But it also took some time to wrap my head around, like, okay, this is a different transformation of my body. And then in having my daughter, it also made me think about even before I knew I was going to have her, I just had had conversations with my future daughter in my head Hmm. about pertinent life things. And one of them was definitely around body image. And then when I knew I was going to have a girl, it's like, okay, how am I going to help her adjust to and navigate through some of the things that were so hard for me to navigate through? And so part of that is embodying it myself, I think, Mm -hmm. and not passing the same message as I got down to her, at least from me. And then also providing a counterpoint, like realizing that the body is going to change throughout your lifetime and it's going to take different forms and shapes. And even if you stay the same weight, you know, this part's going to adjust and that part's going to adjust. And so just playing with it and just being like, Hey, I, you know, I, I know we talked about this concept before, but Hey, I get to dress this a different body so many times throughout my lifetime and having a little fun with it.
0: Right. And how do I want to express it? Yeah. How do I want to wear it? Exactly. Um, I love that. Yeah. Um, Actually just the other day on Facebook, there was this awesome article about women with gray hair and I was thinking like, Ooh, like what? what like celebrity has like gray hair like i would want when i get to be when i get to that stage you know and it was fun to play with the idea of like ooh i want really white silvery hair like that's what i'm hoping for right or yeah. like, just to kind of play around with like how do i want to express myself at every stage or every age because it is a new opportunity to you can in any moment choose to express yourself in whatever way you want as long as it's you. Absolutely. And just for
1: me, it's been really transformational to realize that that can change, that it's not a solid state of this is the ideal, this is what I want, this is what I'm always gonna be. You know, I was talking about that really feminine style I leaned towards earlier on. Mm -hmm. And while I still like and appreciate Appreciate it right now. As a mom, I'm feeling much more functional about everything. You know, I'm not gonna wear like a silk blouse every day and some heels or something. Right. Um, I can feel just as good in something more washable. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like just realizing that that style changed, and I recently got rid of you know a whole bunch of clothes that I love them, but and they're beautiful, but they just weren't me anymore. And realizing that oh, it's okay to change, and then also being really inspired by, like you said, some, some posts you saw on Instagram or something. Like I really like to follow. Um, I know we talked about this another time, but those like advanced style and, and Mm -hmm. such like Instagram accounts that really have expanded my mind as far as aging and beauty can be so many things. And I think when I was younger, like I said, I had such a narrow idea of what that was going to be. And I thought, um, you know, motherhood and aging was going to take away from that beauty somehow,
0: right? And, and it's just another opportunity to express ourselves in a different way. It doesn't mean that it it has to. You know, we have to start wearing mom jeans and like cutting our hair short, right? <laughs> like, and there's exactly. nothing wrong with that if that's what you want. But like, I think it's this preconceived idea that like once you hit a certain age, like it's all over, right? like your beauty's gone and you're done for. And it's like, there's so much beauty to be expressed at all ages, all shapes, all sizes, and it can look like whatever you want it to look like.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've found so much inspiration and, and just so much positivity in that idea. And then I've also had a lot of friends at all different ages who've shown me that that is entirely possible, you know, and I've really gotten rid of some of those really narrow ideas I had and really strong preconceived notions of what it, what it's going to mean for me to, to mature or go through different things in life. And um, just knowing that there's that flexibility there is so empowering
0: today, knowing what you know, and being, you know, having gone through what you've gone through, like, what would you tell your younger self today? Oh, geez. (laughs) Um,
1: Basically something to the the note of you are wonderful and perfect just the way you are. And you're going to keep on changing and transforming, connect to your body you're not separate from it Mm -hmm. it's you're connected find the ways that do that for you um and yeah just that message that you're bringing to this community in this world of self-love because that was really missing in my life for quite a long time and just affected so many things so just the idea of things change things are fluid Mm -hmm. and the most important thing is to connect to yourself is what I would tell myself.
0: Beautiful. So can you share um, with the people listening? um, What are some ways you practice self-love now today?
1: Well, uh, I have to say you have helped me huge in that area. Lori. (laughs) Thank you you so much. I've done a lot of work with you. Um, And then it was some other things in my life. Like I said, yoga, et cetera. Um, one of the things that I know we talked about recently was just really checking in mm-hmm. with myself and just throughout the day and being like, what, how do I feel? What do I need? Mm-hmm. And then allowing myself that. Um, for me, it's, you know, the normal kind of things like rest and and eating foods that I know make me feel good
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, you know, feed my body, but also feed my you know what I need emotionally sometimes too and just realizing that there's a balance between the two um and for me it's self-love is really about compassion and forgiveness Mm. too like I said Mm. I could feel really bad about the time I spent hating my body and being uncomfortable and how it affected my relationships but I think part of the healing journey for me is saying okay you know There is a purpose to that pain and that is just what I had to do to get where I am now and that's okay and forgiving myself for not knowing any better and forgiving myself for not showing up in the ways that I'd like to be. Now when I start to have unloving thoughts about myself or my body, I try to have as much compassion as possible for that. Mm. and realize that they are feelings, they will pass. Sometimes my thoughts are not always true. And just, um, yeah, treating myself with a little more love. And like I said, you've been instrumental in showing me some ways to do that. And when I talked about counter messages before, having some of those counter messages stored up. um, Mm. And that took a while for me to really put into practice. I'd hear them and I'd think, okay, easy enough, but then they really didn't become practice or second nature for a while. It takes a little while to build that up. Um, so just telling myself I am enough, I am okay, just as I am now. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, just being kinder to myself, giving the kindness that I feel I can give others so easily to myself has been one of the hardest things, but also one of the most helpful things.
0: Right. Well, it's been really beautiful to, to be part of your journey and to support you in, in your journey as well. And, um, I, I just, I just love you so much, girl.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love you too. I'm so grateful for you.
0: I'm so happy to be doing this with you too. I am so grateful for you as well. Um, tell us now, okay, for those of you who don't know, Shana is an amazing photographer and you definitely need to check out her work. And um, I will be posting the link somewhere here and you'll be able to check her out too. Um, And I'll have her share that too at the end of this, this podcast, but um, tell me or share with us now how, um, how having gone through your experience and kind of transforming your relationship to yourself how has that helped you in your photography business how has that um you know how does that show up in your photography business now when you work with other people well first of all thank you so much
1: that is so so nice of you um yeah I like I said giving the same Kind eyes and kindness to myself has been a little bit more of a journey. I've always, since the beginning of me taking pictures of other people, I've always really loved building their confidence and making them feel good about themselves. And so that's always been a part of the draw for me and also their connection to themselves and to other people and capturing what that looks like. But me having spent so much time being so self-conscious and overly aware and sensitive about um my appearance and how i felt and how i looked i try to use i know other people sometimes feel the same way so i try to make people feel as comfortable as possible as confident as possible and then i also know how i would like to be portrayed you know i like to be portrayed in the best light but also be seen for who i am so right. i really like to take that to my clients as well and um, you know make them feel comfortable make them feel as confident as possible and um, not force them to be anything other than themselves. Right.
0: It's a beautiful gift. And I know like for myself too, like photography was a big part of my healing journey too. So I totally relate to you on that. It feels so good to make other people feel good, especially when you're in a place where you're not feeling so great about yourself. And I love that you're giving that gift back to people now. Um, and, um, and, and just sharing your gifts with with the world as well. So thank you for all that you do in helping other people feel great about themselves.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Lori. I can say the same to you. <laughs> Ditto.
0: <laughs> Ditto, girl. <laughs> awesome. So Shana, share with us where people can find you. You can find me at
1: shanaragnaphotography.com or on Facebook. Shayna Ragna Photography. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Shayna Ragna. And Could you spell
0: that for people just in case they have a little. Yeah, it's a. We'll post just it in, in case the comments, you but... can't
1: spell my super weird name. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Your beautiful, Absolutely.
1: unique name. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long one. It's a long one, but I love it. It's S H A E N A R A G N A. photography.com beautiful
0: well thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story and sharing your gifts and i know you're going to impact so many people by having shared your story and um, i'm just so grateful for you for being here and being willing to share um how you've transformed your your pain into purpose and um yeah i just love you I love you too. It is
1: truly my pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. This has been super fun.
0: <laughs> awesome. If you would like to uh, be a guest on Seeing Beauty Sessions, be sure to check out our um, website at lauriemarie.com. You'll be able to find Shayna there. You'll be able to find uh, the podcast there. And um, I'm just so excited to share. Um, who you are with the world. And um, I wish you all the best, babe. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity, Lori. It's been a true pleasure. Yay! Thank you for listening. This is Seeing Beauty Sessions. I appreciate you spending time with us here today. Your generosity and willingness to help spread the message of healing can happen in a few ways. If you feel inspired by the stories you've heard, please consider rating, sharing, or donating to help keep us going. Your donations help keep the podcast alive and helps us to keep spreading messages of healing. Anything helps, and when you donate, you get to be part of an ever-growing community with access to behind-the-scenes footage, photos, and more. Be part of this incredible mission of healing and shifting the way we see beauty.